0: Thank you, Pastor Tony. This is a great day to be with you. Thank you so much for joining us in worship. As Pastor Tony was saying, we just finished a sermon series that we entitled I Didn't Learn That in Sunday School. In that sermon series, we looked at some scripture texts and stories that don't get a lot of play in church. Uh, But some people might have interpreted that as a bit of a critique of our Sunday school experience. So the, the pastors and the worship design team thought it would be really great to have a series where we go and talk about what we did learn in Sunday school, what our churches did right growing up, how we were shaped by these foundational ideas that have really lived through our entire life. Last week, Pastor John kicked us off with the sermon, Jesus Loves Me. I think there's no more profound idea in life then Jesus loves me. It does sound simple. Most of us learned that from a little song, Jesus loves me, this I know. Um, but that truth, that the God in heaven entered into this world out of love for this world and out of love for sinful people, is a truth that's deep and can, perf- and can transform our lives. Uh, Karl Barth is one of the most famous theologian of the 20th century. He was Swiss dialectical theologian. He was part of, of trying to help people understand how the gospel was relevant to 20th century life. He wrote this 14-volume uh, church dogmatics, which is one of the most profound, important theological works of the 20th century. But anyways, late in his life in the 1960s, he was lecturing at uh, University of Chicago, and he was asked by a student to sum up his theological inquiry over like a 40-year career, the most profound theologian of the 20th century. And he said it was this truth that he learned on his mother's knee Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That idea is just foundational. That's what Pastor John spoke about last week. If you weren't here last week, if you didn't watch that sermon and worship with us, Check it out online. It's a it's a great message. This week we are going in a little bit different direction. We're thinking about the fact that when we belong to Jesus, we belong to a big family. That when you belong to Christ, you're you're part of something bigger than yourself. And that's the truth that I learned in my childhood. Um, anybody ever felt excluded from anything in life? Excluded from a club? Excluded from a friend group in school? Excluded from? Uh, a team that you wanted to be on. There's a picture. This picture kind of sums up some of my elementary life experience. I don't know if it expresses yours. Sometimes I was felt like I was on the in, but there were times when I felt like I was on the out. Um, I was a kid that growing up was not a very great student. Uh, as a as a child, I had a speech impediment and I had dyslexia. And so school, especially early on in school, was a bit of a struggle for me. And other times when I felt like I don't know if I belong here, I don't know if I'm really included. Later on, as we approached like middle school years, um, I was a very small child. For some reason, I don't know what this is, it felt like Everybody went through puberty like two years before me. And I was always, Schlechtes tend to be small, and I was small among Schlechtes. In fact, from about kindergarten until about ninth grade, I was generally always the smallest kid in my class. It wasn't until 10th grade, in my 10th grade year, the spring of my 10th grade year, I was a coxswain on our crew team. And I finished, I know because I had to weigh in at every regatta we had, uh, I finished my 10th grade my sophomore year of high school at 103 pounds. So I was a little guy. When all my friends started getting into basketball and soccer and everything, again, I kind of felt like, I don't know if I, I don't know if this is really for me. Times I felt excluded. The one place I really did feel like I belonged in life was in church. From my earliest days, I felt like I could belong in church. And uh, I want to share a little bit about that um, as we get into this. Well, church is a place where you can belong. Three things I want you to see from Ephesians chapter 2, verses uh, uh, 11 through 22. Let me go through the first one. First of all, when we belong to Christ, we belong to the church. And we move from being excluded to being included. You can write that in your sermon notes if you have them. From being excluded... To include If you need sermon notes on your online, there's a little tab to follow them. If you need them here, they're in the back. We move from being excluded to included. Let me read it for you from uh, Ephesians 2:11 through 13. Therefore, remember that you that remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcised by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember. That you were at that time separated from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. When you belong to Christ, You belong to one another. When you belong to Christ, you belong to the church. When you belong to Christ, you belong to a worldwide fellowship, a a body of Christ. Like I say, that was a message that I learned in church. I learned it, no doubt, through the teaching of my Sunday school teachers. I don't remember any of those teachings in particular, but I'm sure they taught me that we're a, a body of Christ and some of us are ears or eyes or some of us are hands or feet, but we all belong to one another. I'm sure I got that lesson. I'm sure I got the lesson how when we're in Jesus, we're part of a family and we're adopted in as children of God. But where I really learned I belonged at church we're in the informal relationships of Sunday school, of children's choir, of youth group. I remember as a kid, I grew up in Arlington, and my family was a member of two different churches. From the time I was born until about fourth grade, we were members of uh, Central United Methodist Church. It's, it's on Fairfax Drive. Right now it's directly across the street from the Boston Metro station. Um, but when I was young, I was baptized in 1971, when I was born there, uh, the, the metro wasn't there yet. And in fact, if you live back then, when you drove up to Century Nine Methodist, its steeple was the tallest thing around. I don't even think we called it Boston back there. The mall was called Parkington, if, if you remember those days. But um, nowadays, that, that church building is being torn down and a, and a high-rise apartment building is being put up and there's going to be a church inside of that. Anyways... That's enough of Arlington history. (laughs) At that church, I remember this feeling like I belonged. There was a, a kid's choir that Mrs. Wilson used to lead. And Mrs. Wilson was so deliberate in trying to recruit me into the kid's choir. If you heard me sing, you would wonder why she would want to do that, because I was not much of a singer. In fact, they created a new position in the kid's choir called treasure. And at six years of age, I was asked if I would be the treasurer of the kids' choir. I'm not sure what the treasurer did, but, but she wanted me to know I belonged. And when I missed a week, she told me, all the kids missed you. Where were you? She, she, she taught me that I belonged there. Later on, when I grew up, I, we, in about fourth grade, we moved to Walker Chapel and I Methodist Church because my family moved up near Chain Bridge, and that's on the corner of Glebe and Old Glebe. And the youth leaders used to feed me uh, pizza on Sunday nights. Well, my family, we would sit on the third pew from the front, on the left side, on the aisle, center aisle part of that pew, and directly in front of us, but over to the, further to the left, toward the outside, the Cunningham sat. And I remember every Sunday, we used to have like a greeting time, passing of the peace, a meet and greet. And during that time, the Cunninghams would walk over and I'd be sitting there by myself, uh, my parents next to me. And they'd, they'd come over and they'd shake my hand. They'd call me by name. That in a million different ways, the church taught me I belonged. Even before I really belonged to Jesus, I knew I belonged to the church. Those churches weren't always the most exciting place to be. As a kid growing up, I remember, you know, sitting in that pew at times being bored. I remember at times sitting in Sunday school and wishing I could be outside playing. They they weren't always the most spiritual place, though there were times of deep spiritual experience there. But they were really good at teaching me I belonged. And there are times in my life when I wondered if I belonged anywhere. I knew I belonged at church. Times in my life when I wondered if I could talk to anywhere. I knew I could talk to the pastor. In fact, from about seventh grade to I left for college, I used to mow the pastor's yard. I lived near the parsonage, and he asked me when I was about 12 years old if I'd mow his grass. And every week I mowed his grass from then on. And uh, I mean, he didn't know me well. He didn't know everything I was going through in life, but I always knew that he was on my side that 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 I could talk to him that that he was for me church should be like that a church should be a place where you know you belong and and that's what Paul's getting at in Ephesians 2. Let let me set it up for you. In Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, Paul's laying out the gospel. He talks about how we were dead in sin, but because of what Christ did, now we've been made alive. There were new creatures in Christ. And in verses 8 through 10, let me read it for you. This is directly before the passage we just read. It says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And that not of yourself, you didn't do that, but it's a gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, so that we might walk in them. Paul's making this case in the first half of Ephesians 2 that we were dead in sin, now we've been made alive in Christ, that we're saved by grace through faith. This isn't something we do. We don't save ourselves. We don't bring ourselves in this relationship with God. We don't make ourselves holy. We don't make ourselves worthy of God. But God reaches down and by his grace, his unmerited favor, his love for us that we could never deserve, he reaches down and he calls us into his family by faith in his grace. We come into this new relationship with God through Jesus Christ. But Paul's making the point from, chapter, from verse 11 on that when we come in this new relationship with God through Jesus Christ, through faith in his grace, we also come into a new covenant with God's people. You, you see it there? You, you see it on the text there? It says, You who were called uncircumcision by the so called circumcision. You know what it feels like to be called names, right? And, and, and those names reveal something. We were outsiders. We were excluded. It he says it directly, verse 12. Separated from Christ. Excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. Strangers to the covenant of promise. We were on the outside. We weren't part of the commonwealth of Israel. Most of us. We weren't the circumcision. We weren't the covenant people of God. We were excluded from God's grace and the promise of God's covenant. Most of us, we were on the outside. But Paul's making a point that what Jesus did in his grace, reaching down and adopting us into his family, he he didn't just make a relationship between us and God. He made a relationship between us and God's people. And now we belong. It says in verse 13, That you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. If you belong to Jesus, you belong. You don't just belong to God. That's true. That's first. That's foundational. But you belong to the church. You belong to a community. You belong to a covenant people. You have a place where you belong. That's the first thing I want you to see. That we've moved from being excluded to included. You know what it feels like to be excluded? All, all of us know what it feels like to, to feel like those kids don't really like me. I didn't get invited to the birthday party. The, 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 the group over there calls me names. They don't want me on that team. I didn't make the cut. Paul says, not, not because of what we did, because of what Christ did. He made us part of his family. And we went from being excluded to included. The second thing I want you to see about this fact that when we're part of Christ, we're part of God's family, we're part of the church, we're part of what Christ is doing in the world, is that we move from being enemies to being at peace. From being enemies to being at peace. Look at verse 14 through 18. It says, For he himself is our peace. I'll say that again. For he himself is our peace who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is, in, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross. By it having put to death the enmity. He quotes Isaiah 57 when he says, And he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, Jesus, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. We go from enemies To being peace. We go from being two different groups into one, Paul says, one man. He means one body, one community. There's a wall that's been broken down, Paul says, a dividing wall that kept us out and others in, and others out and us in. There's a wall that divided us, and Paul says, it's been broken down in what Christ did. And there's peace. Anybody feel like the world could use a little more peace nowadays? You're following what's going on in Ukraine and every day it just seems like, oh my goodness, is today going to be the day? And you just think, I wish there could just be peace. For some of us, it's, it's closer to home. You know, we follow the political issues in our nation or in our own community or even our own schools and you think, oh, why can't we all just get along, do what we need to do, you know? Why can't we just, why can't there be peace? And for some of us, it's very personal, even in our own homes, our own families. Why can't we just get along, you know? I've got 25 couples in a marriage class, and, and so often it's just so hard to even get along with the people that we committed ourselves to, you know, to love and to cherish. And you think, why is it so hard? Why, why, why is there this enmity, why is it Democrats and Republicans and it's just always fighting and now there's vaxxers and anti-vaxxers and there's just all this fighting and people from different communities or different racial groups and there's just all this tension why why so much enmity and it feels like in the world today it's more than ever whether it's social media or the media or the political parties or the global Uh, order. It just feels like it's more than ever. Well, the scripture, Ephesians 2.14 says, he himself is our peace. That Jesus is our peace. That peace isn't something that we create on our own. Not to diminish the importance of these things, but peace isn't This type of peace, this spiritual peace, this bringing of communities together, this bringing of of enemies together, that that this isn't just a work of diplomacy, that this isn't just a work of of, uh, negotiation. That this isn't just something that we find by going on a long vacation or by handling our finances well and having a, a good retirement plan. And this, this kind of peace that Paul's talking about isn't something that we get from having a good massage, you know, and just working out all this stress. As much as all those things may help us to feel at peace, what Paul's talking about is a spiritual peace where we who are enemies, God's enemies, have been reconciled to God. And we who were enemies with one another have been reconciled to one another. And Paul says, he's our peace. Jesus is our peace. I don't have to try to figure out if I and an anti-vaxxer are on the same team. If we're on Jesus' team, we're on the same team. That, that's the thing. I don't have to decide if you vote differently than me if we're enemies, if, if Jesus is our Lord, We're on the same team. He himself is our peace. Peace isn't something we figure out. Peace isn't something we do. It's not an effort that we make, that we create. He's our peace. It's something we receive. That's what Ephesians 2 is all about. It's a gift. It's of God's grace. It's Jesus himself that he reconciled us to God. And now he reconciles us to one another. And he himself is our peace. He broke down the dividing wall. He took the two groups and made them one, that he might reconcile them both to one body on the cross. Now, Paul is not talking about the racial injustice and strife that we deal with in the 21st century in the United States. He's not not talking about the vaxxers and the anti-vaxxers, the maskers and the anti-maskers. He's not talking about the Democrats and Republicans in the Senate. He's not talking about Russia and Ukraine. Paul's speaking specifically about the first century Jewish people and the first century Gentiles. And even more particularly, he's talking about first century Jews and Gentiles in the church. And what he's saying is, is whatever that historic animosity was, and he he describes it, you know, which is in the law of commandments contained in ordinances. I mean, there's something there, you know, God wrote down for Moses uh, a law and, and these people are under those ordinances and laws. And these people weren't. And these people knew the covenant. And these people didn't. There's something genuinely there that separated these groups. But Paul's point is, is that now Christ has come and he's broken down that wall to make the two one. And if God can do that by his grace, if Jesus can reconcile these two groups, then certainly Jesus can reconcile black and white and Asian and Hispanic and Republicans and Democrats, and vaxxers and anti-vaxxers, that, that God, by God's grace, right, can make us one. We move from enemies to peace. And this is what our world needs. Not that our world doesn't need diplomacy, obviously. Not that our world doesn't need a, a, a vacation or a relaxation method or some time off of social media, we all could use that type of stuff. Not that it's wrong to find peace out on the ski slope on a Friday afternoon like I do, or out on a long walk or through some type. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. But the deepest issues that separate us from one another and separate us from God, what Paul is saying is that those, the, the, the core foundational issues that keep us from being one Christ has broken down. It's a gift that we receive. It's a gift that we offer others. We move from being enemies to being at peace. And then the third thing I want you to see about when I belong to God, I belong to a big family, is that we move from being aliens to citizens. Or there's a second metaphor that's tied in right with that stranger's to being family. Aliens to citizens and strangers to being a family. Look at verse 19 through 22. It says, So then you are no longer strangers. That's good news. You're no longer strangers and aliens. You're no longer outsiders. You're no longer undocumented. You're you're no longer beyond. But you are fellow citizens with the saints and our God's household. There's a chiasm there from strangers to household and from aliens to citizens. We went from being strangers, we didn't know to being family. We went from being aliens to being citizens. And not just citizens, but citizens with all the saints Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. What Paul's saying is that when we come into this relationship with Christ, we have this new citizenship. We, We were aliens. But now we come into this new citizen. And you think, well, what, what kind of citizen, you know? A citizen of what, you know? A citizen of Christchurch, a citizen of the United Methodist. What, what does it mean to be a, a citizen in this sense? And what, what Paul's talking about is this kingdom, this nation that God is creating. And we who were outside, actually enemies of God's kingdom, Now we're documented. Now he's. We've we've gone through the oath. We've we've been brought in. We've we've we're now belong. We're citizens with Christ and all the saints in this building that God's building together. There's like three different metaphors mixed in here. There's the family metaphor. There's the citizenship metaphor. Then there's this building metaphor that God's building a temple and each one of us are part of it. And Jesus is in the foundation. And we're gonna be filled, not just individually filled with the spirit, but but he's building something and we're gonna be filled together as this temple that we move from being aliens to citizens. When we talk about being excluded, some of you all can relate really well to this. You you know what it feels like to be an alien, to, to be in a new country or in a new people and to feel like, I don't know if I really belong here, or to feel like other people are looking at you and thinking, I don't know if they belong here, and it's, it's personal, like you can understand, you can relate to what it feels like, to feel like maybe, I'm, maybe I don't belong here, maybe I'm an outsider. That, that's true when it comes to citizenship, to nationality, but that experience is also true in other areas of life, and it's true in church for some of us. There are folks who feel that way, like aliens, like strangers when they come onto our campus or when they walk through our doors or when they go into a church maybe you've felt that way you've gone to a church and you walk in and you feel like I don't know if I belong here I I don't I don't know if I don't know if I'm wanted here and and maybe it's Something that we do, like we go in and we don't know, like I, I go to a, a church, I don't know the liturgy, I feel a little awkward because I don't, I don't know where to pick up a bulletin or I don't know what seat I'm supposed to sit in. My last year of seminary, this was, you know, 25 years ago, my last year of seminary, I visited a different church every week to, number one, learn what it felt like to be a, a visitor, and number two, to learn how other churches try to help people um, Feel included, but before that, I did something that was I, was really educational for me. When I was in seminary, I took Hebrew, and uh, I, I took I went to seminary in Kentucky. And there's probably no worse place to learn how to speak Hebrew than from a Gentile in Kentucky. And so I thought I got I got to get a little bit better than this. So I called up the local synagogue near my house, and I said, Hey, would you mind if I just came on Friday nights to your Shabbat service? I'm just gonna be a spectator, but you know, I'd really like to just hear people speak Hebrew, quite frankly. And they were very kind. And for a whole semester, I went to the Shabbat services on Friday night. But it was a, it was great in the sense too that I could learn what it felt like. I don't know the traditions. I don't belong here. I don't know anybody here. What's it feel like to walk in? And the people, you know, were just so gracious. I mean, unbelievably gracious and welcoming there. And it was pretty obvious I was. Um, I, it was a stretch to feel like I was in that community, but they treated me like I was. You know, there are people when they come into a church, and you maybe have had that experience, who feel like strangers. They, they feel like, I don't know if I'm, if I'm even wanted here, if I even belong here. My, one of the things I love about Christ Church is I think this church goes so far in trying to help people feel like they belong here. I think we, we try to, we think through how we can extend the hospitality of Jesus. Because one of, the, one of the really neat things of my growing up in church is that I belonged to the community before I ever even really belonged to Jesus. I mean, I was baptized, but I, before I decided I was gonna be a follower of Jesus, I already knew I belonged to the community. When I was going through high school and I was struggling with, and I was rebelling against whether I wanted to belong to Jesus, I still knew I belonged to the church. I still knew I could talk to the pastor when I had a question or a problem. I still knew that the youth group wanted me there on Sunday night. And and that's my hope and dream for Christ Church is that people who walk through our doors would have that kind of experience, especially you all, you people, you folks that don't dress like me or look like me or think like me or vote like me, that this would be a place where you know you can belong. And even before you answer the questions the way I answer them, or even before you believe like I believe, that you would know that this is a place where you can belong. And even before you belong to Christ, that this is a place. Where you can belong and ask your questions and and, and deal with your, your, your difficulties or, or your, your spiritual issues. I want this to be a place where our kids know that they're wanted that they're loved, that they're needed that beyond what anything they can do for the church that this is a place where they can belong that the kids up in the youth group, that it's a place where they can ask their questions and deal with their issues, that it's a safe place for them to belong as they're working out their faith. And when you invite your friends to church, I hope whatever background, religious background or no religious background or economic background or racial background or status or whatever, that when they come into our church, they would know this is a place where they can belong. They are wanted here, that they are loved here. And when we belong to Christ, this is the beautiful thing, we belong to something bigger than ourselves. We belong to a big family. When you're part of Christ, you're part of a big family. When you're part of Christ, you're... people in our world are looking for places to belong. I don't know. I think our world has just done a bad job helping people belong. It feels like in my grandparents' generation, People in that generation belonged to lots of things. You know, like my grandparents, you know, they belonged to like the Ruitan Society or they belonged to the Kawanas, or they belonged to this club or that club or this organization, this uh, bridge club or whatever. And of course, they belonged to the church and it they, they, they just seemed like they had a lot of places they belonged. They belonged to labor unions and they belonged to school organizations and community groups and you know 4-H and it just all through life it felt like that generation that the, went through belonging to different groups and it feels like in our in our day and age people don't belong as much a, a lot of people don't belong to anything the more friends we have on Facebook the less real friends we have the the, the bigger our virtual social network it feels like the smaller our actual social network is but my hope is is that Christ church is a place where you all belong whether you're online or in person that this is a place where people know your name where you can ask questions where you can deal with life and the and the difficulties of your life where you can be real in the doggy back section, I ask a bunch of questions that you might think about asking yourself as you go through this week. But down in the suggestion area, I, I wrote two suggestions I'd love for you to think about. Number one, if you live locally, um, I'd love for you to consider, talk to your doctors and, uh, as they feel like it's safe for your particular situation. But I've, if you live locally and you're online, I'd, I'd love for you to consider... Uh, when it's appropriate, when it's right for you to come back in person, I, me as just a new pastor here. I was here in two thousand three, two thousand seven, but newly back. I'm I'm looking forward to being able to meet you and 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 shake your hand and when it's appropriate, give you a hug and 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 feel that connection. I I want to see your children have an experience like I had in what we call. Christchurch kids, but in Sunday school, where they, they know that there's adults and other kids who care for them and, and love them. I want I want to see the kids in youth group connecting with Val and Pastor HK and making those connections. And it, it might not be appropriate for your medical situation right now. Or I'm, I'm 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 not I'm a doctor, but I'm not that kind of doctor. So uh, don't take my medical advice. But but when it is, I'd love to see you back. One of my fears of COVID is after two years of saying I'm over here in virtual ministry, that there, it becomes a dividing wall between there and, and being back connected in person. And, uh, and I think the longer that we're out, the harder it is. I just remember in my own life, um, the first year of COVID, I didn't go to the barber. I, I go to get my hair cut about every day two to three weeks, but the first year of COVID, I just started shaving my head and doing it myself. And I didn't do a great job, but it was safe and all that. I remember the first time I went back to the barber, I was like, oh my gosh, it felt scary, you know? It felt, it felt weird, you know? And first time I went out to eat, it felt weird. And I know it, it feels weird to step across that line and to come back, but I'm saying, not as a medical professional, not as a public health professional, but I'm saying as a pastor, um, We're ready for you to come back. I'm looking forward to seeing you in person, if you're local. And the second thing is, whether you're online or in person, to join a small group or a class. In a a church the size of Christ Church, we're not going to get those personal connections, most of us, by just coming to a worship service one hour a week. And whether it's a small group that you go to and people know your name and they they can hear your questions and they can live life with you, or whether it's a a ministry like Paul's back there making coffee this morning, And, and I knew Paul when I was here before, but I've reconnected with him because he's back there making coffee or folks greeting, either through serving on a team or through a small group, that's where those connections are being made. Our, our worship band is like a small group. They care for each other. They love each other. You can see it. You can experience it. And, and, and all of us need that. But like I already said, I'm not a singer, so that's not my place. But there's a place for each one of us. Well, I just, I just hope that if you didn't have the experience I had growing up of experiencing the church or the place I could belong, that you will have that experience. And that Christchurch church can be that place. And if there's anything I can do to help, because I just believe, theologically, that when you belong to Jesus, you belong to a big family. And, and I'd love for this to be your family. Let's pray that might be so. Lord God, we pray that what we see as true in Scripture may be true in our lives. That you truly will have moved us from being excluded to included. From being enemies to being at peace. From taking us who were aliens and giving us a citizenship in heaven. Taking us who were strangers and making us part of your family. And may you do that in our hearts. May we experience what it is to be part of your family. And may you do that in our lives. Show us how we can connect with you and with your body. Show us how we can connect others. Show us how we can make this a place where anybody could walk through that door and and feel like they belong here. And we pray, Lord, that in our hearts, you may give us a big family. That as we belong to you, we can belong to one another. And that you'd be glorified in that. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.